When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with the rock star known as Nick. Oh, by rock star, you mean I'm feeling pretty rocky because I don't feel so good? I'll accept that today. Um, <laughs> I think yesterday my uh, my moniker was Doc Holiday because I, I'm not feeling great. I feel like I've got consumption, even though it's just a cold. I don't, for anyone that listens to this, I don't deal well with illness. I hardly ever get sick, but when I do get sick, it's... You might as well take me out to the back 40 and put me down. I, I really am not very strong and, and tough and you know durable when I get a, even a cold. I just I just want to end my life. It's horrible. It's so is that why like uh, you see all these memes about what have a man when he gets a cold versus a woman when they get a cold and we're just big wimps? I think that that's fairly accurate. Yeah, because here's the way this works. I almost even for being as big as I am and being as you know truthfully unfit because i'm very very obese i've been pretty fortunate i don't really experience pain or sickness or anything very often so when i do i'm not accustomed to it i could deal with the most ridiculous emotional trauma you've ever seen i can deal with stress and anxiety anger and frustration and physical violence but you give me a headache or a sinus headache or like right now a runny nose and sinus pressure and i just can't find the will to go on so yes i am one of those guys little dramatic a little dramatic only because i haven't been awake long enough to amp it up to complete full dramatic <laughs> so before we start the episode i wanted to chat again real quick so we've done this the last two episodes i know you the listeners are going to hear it a week apart but for you and i it's just a day apart and in the beginning of the last one we talked about the kind of comments we're getting online for the electric vehicles champions have stepped into play oh, how the tides have com- turned <laughs> how the champions have stepped in on the comments since that since we've had that conversation yeah there's definitely been a couple of people that are just laying down knowledge when i had asked you to add me as a as an admin or an editor whatever i did on the on the facebook page i didn't anticipate a situation like this where we'd have such a visceral response to um an advertisement and so my phone like yesterday i was in bed most of the day you know dying because that's what i do on my saturday nights and it just constantly made noise it always ever since i started this catering thing it, it always makes noise but i mean it was excessive even for that and so at one point i had because i had the vibrate on it like vibrated all the way off my bed and i was like you gotta be kidding me so i looked up and it was like one dude one guy had commented on all these different posts or responded to all these comments and then one comment in particular one thread he just put like five or six pictures like boom 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 and i was like wow well he doesn't think we suck excellent (laughs) and uh it was nice it was nice to see someone that wasn't telling us that we crapped on their page or that we were just you know commie you know sympathizers and all the crazy things they've they've said to us that that didn't really make any sense like we're talking about electric vehicles and they're they're responding to it like we're running a political campaign, which I understand with today's situation. Everything is politically charged, but heaven forbid, like it's if nothing else, this is like a, a sustainability comedy show. Like we're not even I mean, we're serious, but like we try to keep it light and have a good time. It's not like we're like, listen, this is what you have to do. 
But these people obviously didn't listen, and they're just like smacking the crap out of us. Yeah, and it wasn't just one, although I believe, and I was looking up the person's first name, it's Tennis, I think it's Tennis is the the name, but other people, there's a gentleman, Bradley, several people stepped in yesterday to join the comments on the other side of the fence, so it was nice to see, because we don't get into those arguments or discussions, a lot of the things we talked about would have addressed most of those comments that came through there. So jumping in and having that conversation didn't have value, but it's always great when either listeners or followers from the page just kind of handle it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I agree, but also on the flip side, something I've tried very hard is, is I think that as the, the page in, in mentioned, it's detrimental that we do not respond to anything on there. I don't think that we would get anywhere by even responding to the good comments, because I feel like the people that maybe have just posted something negative, they see that we're actually going to respond. The people that are actually trolling, they'll get ratcheted up a notch, and I don't think it'd be a good use of our time to actually put responses in there. And I thought about it, because I have other Facebook accounts. I thought about going in there and trying to elicit conversations with the people to see why they feel the way they do but with watching the amount of just blatant ignorance and the faucets open i mean just pouring through there i don't have the time or energy i i don't i know i just started the show talking about dealing with emotional trauma and stress but like i'm not self-inflicted like i'm not looking to be depressed and sometimes you know i don't think it's a good idea to step in the ring with incas and then you can box i don't think it's I don't think that it's a good idea to to start an argument with no intention to argue, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, I know that the moment I try to have these conversations, I'm going to be labeled as this and that, and they're going to just react poorly. And I just, I don't have it in me to be told I suck today. I'm just a big baby. Let me get better. Maybe I'll, I'll think about it, but. Comments aside, anybody listen, listening to the show knows that if you send us questions, if you have comments to make that you want that are directly ours, if you send them to us, we'll respond. Absolutely. If you send them in the messenger, we will respond. Unless we're so busy, we missed it. And if that's the case, we apologize. But we, our intention is to respond almost immediately if we can. Well, the comments place is not where we're going to have the conversations. I know, but we, we did recently also get a message for someone wanting us to cash app them. So uh, I didn't <laughs> respond to that because I'm broke. Well, and those are, we guess, every once in a while you get spam. Yes. If you're in Hawaii, I hear they have it a lot. Really? Spam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the food. They sell it a lot. It's a Hawaii's big market for spam. Why? Why do they sell a lot of spam in Hawaii? Uh, It became like a national treasure during one of the wars over there. People love it. So they use it for it's the main food group. How do you how do you not know that? I know. I missed missed my you missed you. You think they would, too. You missed my spam joke. And now I have to explain that the island you want to move to eats a lot of (laughs) processed, whatever you call that stuff. Yes. Um, They go through a lot of spam in Hawaii. But uh, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why they like it. But apparently fried barbecued spam is delicious. Interesting. I would assume it tastes like a McRib. I I don't know. A little barbecue so, sauce on there. It's a processed meat. I, so I, I don't like McRibs at all. Like at all. I think they're they're an abomination. I, I, I like them as much as I like Burger King's original chicken sandwich. Like it's just garbage. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that one because people worship that thing. But um, <laughs> in fact, I did a TikTok. Uh, oh, Lord have mercy. A TikTok. The other day, I was at the drive to McDonald's getting a frappe because I am a basic white girl. And I love those things. They're delicious. And they had the McRib back. So I made sure to tell people on TikTok land that the McRib is back. You better get in and get it because people love them. No, I know it's, it's not for me. <laughs> anyway, so this week I want to talk about light pollution. Sweet. 
speaking about Hawaii, because when I think about light pollution, my brain immediately goes back to that big island. But uh, that light whole pollution, conversation wasn't all just for spam. There you go. See, it was a transition, which we don't usually do. The amount of puns and jokes I've been able to work in with the word spam. When you listen, when you edit this, you're going to be like, God, that guy's a genius. Should I just start a section of Nick's spam puns? On the you website. could you you could actually call it like Nick spam section, and then you could just use that as a as a section for every time I've made an inappropriate joke that you didn't like. In fact, you could st- take everything you've cut out of shows that you didn't think could be in the show, but you were wrong because it was genius, and stick it in there. No, no laughter. Okay, fine. I'll let that one go. I think it'd be funny. But anyways, yes, light pollution, Hawaii. Let's do this. All right. So light pollution is the presence of unwanted or inappropriate or even excessive artificial lighting. And then, of course, I put in quotation cities, but it's anywhere there's a large amount of light. There are four kinds of light pollution, which I was unaware of. There's glare, the excessive brightness that causes the visual discomfort. There is sky glow, which is the brightening of the sky over inhabited areas. Mm -hmm. There is light trespass, light falling where it is not intended or even needed. And then there is clutter, bright, confusing, and excessive groups of light sources. So I would assume that the uh, the second one you mentioned, what was it called? Sky glow. Yeah, that's got to be more of an accumulative thing that happens over big cities and stuff where there's just so much light in one area that it, it lights up. I'm I'm quite perplexed on the last one. The cluster. Yeah. Well, and I think that like when they when I was researching that one, they were showing the Earth from space, uh-huh. where 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 you see the real large cities. It actually looks like the planet is burning at nighttime. Okay. There is a ton of different kinds of light pollution that are either disruptive to us or annoying or like glare is one of those main issues for people who are driving at night. Headlights. You see people with these bright blue headlights, which do light up the road really well, but it also lights up the retinas of the person coming the other way. So I agree. I think that... um... I'm trying to figure out how to start this thought. When it comes to like automotive uh, headlights and stuff, I, I as a person that has an astigmatism, like when you see all those those things on Facebook where it shows all the lights and they're all stretched real big and wide, like that's legit true. And when there is a lot of oncoming traffic at times, um, it's really hard to drive at night. I don't really care to drive at night for that reason because if there's nothing else on the road, I'm perfectly fine. But if there's a lot of oncoming traffic. Those headlights are they're not even necessarily facing directly at me, but there's so much of it and my field of vision that it's it's very overwhelming it, I, I never looked at it as light pollution per se but it definitely takes the focus and my the ability of me to even really see what's in front of me as efficiently as i should because there's so much of it which is why the light is there it's supposed to make our lives easier so we can see where we're going but it does just the opposite because we have so much excess light yes uh, here in durand we we have not figured out light yet and i'm hoping we're getting to that concept because we either have way too much pointed in the wrong direction or we don't have any at all when it comes to these little towns it's a good place to start with 
a lot of the lighting used to light up the sidewalk or over a street is only using like 30% of the light. The rest of it is off towards the houses. Well, and you don't live in town, but I've had this issue before where the light out front, you know, it always seems like the light out front comes right through the crack in the curtains when you're laying there and it just happens to fall right on your eyes and you're, you wake up to this bright light that has no reason for being there other than it's 4 a.m. and it should be lighting the road. It's so- just wasted yes uh i don't know much about duran but i kind of mentioned this yesterday and i don't remember if it was our podcast or if it was just in small talk but when i was growing up at our dad's house we had a light pole in the middle of the yard similar to what you'd have hanging over an intersection and a road but in fact it's the exact same thing but it's just in the middle of the yard why it was put there i don't know i'm pretty sure that predated him buying the house my point is though is that as soon as it got dark that light would come on and it turns the it would choose to turn the entire front of the yard or you know 180 degrees in front of it side to side till almost the other side of the road as like the middle of the afternoon so when that thing came on before he planted the maple tree that was in front of the house for a long time to block that light my bedroom at nighttime was so lit up mm-hmm. like you couldn't sleep i used to sleep on my stomach with my face like squished in between the bed and the wall straight down against the wall i mean like in a, a way that completely blocked the light from my eyes because i couldn't sleep at all which now that i'm thinking about that it opens a whole other can of worms i want to talk to you about later but i never looked i never realized that that, that really that was light pollution you know that that light was not intended for that purpose but like it was it was bright it was really bright absolutely disrupted you yeah and that's and that's part of what light pollution is because as i was reading about it and i know what light pollution is but i didn't have an intimate knowledge of what light pollution was but there's reports out there and i think some of these have to piggyback off each other because the main things that happen to us with light pollution other than safety because you're right driving down the road there is a big safety problem with so much light all the signs and cars coming at us but also sleep disorders was number one there was a tie to depression and obesity which i think those two things tie into lack of sleep or lack of proper sleep And then there was what they call black light that comes from it. And what they really mean is UV, the extra bands that we don't see coming from it. A lot of reports showing cancer-causing effects, but I could not find studies that definitively they just alluded to. So the big big thing was sleep disorders. So, okay, I'm going to try to unpack this. I'm going to start with the very last thing you said. I I don't see any world where light pollution causes cancer. I am not a doctor, but I think that if light pollution causes cancer, then everyone in the world is going to have cancer because we all have tons of light pollution in our homes that you don't even realize. And for every one of us that has a coffee maker or has a, a, a something as simple as a microwave or like a power source for an electronic that has a LED on it, I mean, that emits light, a lot of it actually and so for me my my biggest issue with with light pollution is that i'm selfish and i like the stars i like looking at them and so as a person who likes to i have a giant yard i like to go out in the nighttime on the clear night and look straight up and it's it is breathtaking how beautiful it is if there's any light in the surrounding areas at all that make it into your eye you can't see nearly as much as you know you can otherwise then as for sleep disorders yes i mean probably i don't i obviously am not a doctor i don't know anything in terms of statistics or medical information about that but i can tell you that every person's different obviously but when i lay down to sleep 
if I am kind of tired or if I'm going to bed at a time where I know I should be, but I don't really feel that tired, the amount of light in the room heavily influences whether or not I'm going to fall asleep. Now, there are moments where I get to go to bed and I'm so exhausted that I could be laying on the sun and I'm just going to pass out anyways. But obviously, figuratively. There are a lot of nights, and like yesterday was one of them, where I I was laying down in bed because I'm not feeling well, and I, I felt really tired, but not like I normally would. And the TV was on behind me. Uh, Heather was playing Minecraft. And I, I just, I had my eyes closed, but just enough light was seeping through my eyelids. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't drift off. And I thought, you know, I never really considered that as light pollution until right now. But I understand that. And I could see that if that happened on a persistent basis, you know, every single day and it hindered my sleep, I could see there'd be a lot of long-term negative effects. Yeah, I cannot sleep with any light in my room. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. We, when I go to bed, I shut all the doors, everything, all the blinds are shut, and it's dark. If it's not, if let's say the kitchen light is on and it's shining into my into my room, I can't go to sleep. Really? Now, it could be a couple of different things. Maybe I've just become accustomed to darkness when I go to sleep, but there's also the difference between blue light and yellow light. I think we've talked about that in the past where your eye receptors see blue light as sunlight and won't release melatonin into your body. So people who use their cell phones at night or have a tablet that they play on before bedtime, if you do that, change it to a uh, the yellow light filter or the blue light filter. It looks dingy for about 15 minutes, but after that, you can even set them so like 8 o'clock it, it switches on its own. Because if you have the standard blue light on a phone, a television, anything, it is going to prolong you going to sleep. Your brain will not release, release melatonin and you won't go through that process. So for myself, I do. I have the blue blue light filter on my phone all the time now. And we don't have a television in the room. Matter of fact, if I forget to take my Bluetooth headset upstairs to charge and it's sitting on my nightstand blinking, I can't go to sleep. I either have to cover it or take it upstairs. So I have a wireless charger for my phone. And when you put the phone on the charger and it has a connection that's charging, it has a blue LED light that is incredibly bright. Not like flashlight bright, but in the dark room, it really stands out. Mm -hmm. And it bothers me in the way that I can't face it when I go to sleep. I've got to face my wife, which is fine. I mean, I, I sleep whatever way feels comfortable that night. But if I do fall asleep facing that, I will definitely eventually roll over. The one thing I've realized, in time, I don't know if I consider light pollution or not, but like in most areas where you're like when you're in bed, you're you're in theory, like especially you because you like it to be black, your field of vision is going to be nothing like it's all black. You don't see anything. So any light you could possibly see in your room, it's going to be really bright. Because it's the only light in the area, and you're going to focus on it. So I can understand why that would bother you. So any light at that, in that regard for you is going to be light pollution. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess I'm accustomed to sleeping with a, a bit of it. I mean, I don't really. I'm really bad about leaving lights turned on anyway. So I don't really like the darkness a whole lot. Well, first of all, bad little brother, turn your darn lights off. Oh, he called me little. <laughs> you have to turn your lights off before I go to bed. I have to make a loop around the house to turn my lights off. But I think that it is that we're paying for discomfort is what we're doing. It, outside, a lot of times that extra glare, that extra that extra bit of light pollution is disabling at times and can cause car accidents and other things. There is other health issues as it disrupts the was it circadian rhythm? Is that yeah. how am I saying it correctly? Uh, circadian, yeah, close. No, I mean, close yeah. enough to where I know what you're talking about. 
So the circadian rhythm, if it gets disrupted, has they've shown that it can lead to insomnia, depression, cardiovascular disease, which I think piggybacks from depression and or insomnia. Uh, I think a lot of the physical health issues come from some of the other disruptions, personally. Uh, it, it reduces the amount of melatonin when you have a, a disruption to that circadian rhythm. And it is something that most people don't account for poor health. When it can absolutely disrupt your health. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use myself as a perfect example for this. People don't value sleep. Sleep is the number one biggest tool you have in fighting infection and disease and, and overall maintaining general health and wellness. Your body does most of its maintenance when you're sleeping. When you hit that REM, your body goes into autopilot and it's it's doing all different kinds of stuff. And if you are someone who um does like intermittent fasting, you'll notice that most of the weight you lose throughout the day is when you're sleeping. Now, I say all that because when you don't sleep on a regular basis, when you get two hours one night, eight hours another night, you don't have a consistent rhythm, which means that your body is like kind of riding a, a chemical roller coaster. And so it doesn't know what is normal, what's not normal. It doesn't know what to fight and what not to fight. So like for me as a person who I don't sleep really well at all, I really don't. Um, I, I hardly go to bed at a decent hour. And when I do, if I sleep five hours max, I'm doing really good. I fall into that very unhealthy category and I'm obese. And, and that probably has a, a bit to do with it. Mine, mind you, is self-inflicted. I'm just lazy. I know I know my all my own issues. The difference in, in me right now being sick and not being sick is, is poor sleeping. So my wife was really ill over last weekend. Like she was really sick. And over the years we've been together, she's been really sick a lot. I don't really get sick. As a person, I, I might get sick once every three or four years. And I knew, and this is going to sound crazy, Michael, but I knew the last Sunday when I couldn't go to bed and I, sl- I tried to sleep and I couldn't sleep. I knew the moment I woke up Monday, I'm going to get sick because it mollywhopped my immune system. And it sounds it sounds crazy, but if you don't get, if you every, for every day, you don't get a sound night's sleep, it takes a day and a half, two days to recuperate. If you are up 24 hours straight, it takes three days to recuperate that sleep you lost. And that, that sucks, man. It also, it's kind of freaky when you look at like, even if you're someone that's in really good shape and you're real healthy, how, how important uh, that really is to your, your body's daily functions. Well, and there's no such thing as quote unquote, catching up on sleep. So when you, when you only get four hours for like three straight days, when you get that eight hours of sleep the following day, you're not catching up. You're just getting the proper sleep here. Even if you slept 12 hours on this day, you're not necessarily catching up. That's lost sleep, lost production, you know, lost, lost health. In some cases, there isn't a catch up. I, you're speaking to the choir right now because right now I'm on back-to-back sub-five-hour days between working at Dabble and then us coming down here and, and recording. Once I'm up and moving, I'm up and moving. I'm done. I'm not going back to sleep. So I will go through a whole day now and be tired most of the day. But until I go to bed and get a good a good sleep, I won't feel as well as I could. I think that the phrase catching up on sleep, if I, if I even use those words, I apologize. It's more of a, you know, your body getting what it needs to, to get as close to up to speed as what it can. Um, when I was in my youth, I hate to say things like that, but when I was a young boy, when I was a whippersnapper, I went um, three days straight with no sleep. I had 72 hours. And then when I finally did pass out, I slept for 18 hours straight. And when I woke up, it was... Uh, 
like waking up with like a, a thousand pound weight in my back, I could hardly move. Like I had been in the same spot so long, my muscles, my joints, everything just throbbed. And and then it took like the next entire day, I felt hungover. I could hardly function. I could, couldn't focus. Like it really mollywops you when you don't get sleep and your your body is not designed. There's a reason this Katie rhythm exists. It's one of the best tools evolution's given us. Like your body's not designed to go without it. And I know that we're going into a deep dive on this when we're really just talking about light pollution, but if it's going to stop you from sleeping, you're disrupting that. We just want to emphasize how important it really is. Right, right. Well, and there was other studies that I found, and I'm going to, there was a 2009 study from the Journal of Environmental Health Prospectus, which okay. was, a. Uh, it was interesting because I'm not sure, I, I would like to see continued studies on this, but what it showed is that women who live near or in bright environments with enough light pollution to read a book was their measurement that had a 73% chance or increase in breast cancer. I assume there's other outside variables to that. That much light pollution quite often is a city environment. There could be air quality differences. There could be lifestyle differences. I assume there's a bunch of other stuff in there, but that was a weird correlation individuals and females it, it did not correlate to males so i don't know what other differences there were that but there was like only a, one study done that way that sounds like an nfl statistic if i've ever heard one yeah <laughs> where um, they pull uh coincidences yeah where they go well he's the second quarterback in 35 years to pass for 200 yards every third tuesday of the fourth friday of july and you're like, what does that even mean? None of those words make sense. And they'll be like, well, we'll be right back with some words from our sponsors. It's, it's it does. Yeah, it's it's outlandish. And I think sometimes they pull stats at pro sports, pull stats on their their athletes to, to, to kind of showcase qualities that otherwise most people would deem irrelevant like the sports are. So they're not irrelevant. I'm just a fat guy. That's all. I'm not a sports guy. So anyone that hears this, just know that I like my uh, I like my chess a lot. And um I don't know, though. I, that's a weird stat, though. It really is, Michael. I, I don't. If we have a light pollution expert that listens to realistic sustainability, let us know. Is this something that is, has been discarded? Because it just seems odd. Now, the next section I did, I did know. And that light pollution disrupts animals worse, if at least as much as humans, but likely worse. It disrupts almost all of their natural cycles. It disrupts migration patterns. It disrupts their waking and sleeping patterns. It disrupts animals' habit formation. They change the way they do things because of how, not just the light, we have other things like an expressway that will also change their migration patterns. But light does it also. Okay, so in regards to animals, I knew this too. Uh, I've often complained about this because I, I think that it's uh, there's an unfair bias to, to a, a large number of animals. If you've never heard someone say this, then just tell me now. But how many times in your life have you ever heard, hey, there's a raccoon or hey, there's a possum in the middle of the daytime and someone goes, oh, well, stay away from it because it probably has rabies. They're supposed to be sleeping. They're nocturnal. There must be something wrong with it. Have you ever heard mm -hmm. that? Have you ever had that conversation? Yeah, I so have. So when you, when you have those conversations with, with regards to nocturnal animals, which are meant to be awake at nighttime and sleep throughout the day, when you factor in the fact that because of you know technology and and industry and the way our infrastructure like you had said kind of just waste light everywhere i can understand where there's going to be situations and moments where these these nocturnal animals can't get to sleep where they have the disrupted pattern or maybe they've had to adapt to a different pattern because we've completely destroyed their normal way of life and so what do they get for it they they try to adapt or in some cases are just awake and then they get shot and killed because uh something's wrong yeah 
we're wrong. We are causing a disruption in their natural uh, their natural order. I've complained about this a lot because it's it's really it really bothers me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand that humans are considered apex. We're at the top of the food chain, and we have a really good habit of destroying whatever is in our way in justifying that we were we were going there so whatever's there has to go but i just don't like the idea that animals are gonna die so i could live it bugs me like in in terms of food's different because i am a chef but like oh there's groundhogs in my property i better get them trapped and killed because it could be bad for the foundation they're like an acre away like really like (laughs) that stuff drives me crazy and so this is just one more thing we're notching that belt like yeah, you. How do you feel? You, you you're not nocturnal, but I mean, if you were just gonna sleep throughout the day, would you like it if everything was messed up? No, it, it, we have patterns, especially me. I get very Sheldon Cooperish on a few things here and there, so my patterns get disrupted, and I'm a dumpster fire. Jamie picks on me a little bit here and there about that. I think she's learned to at least be okay with some of my stuff, but when my cycles of different processes get disrupted, it doesn't matter if it's a sleep cycle or I sit in that spot, it will mess up my whole day at times. I sometimes, you talk about you're fragile when it comes to colds. I'm fragile to change at times. So I understand that. And if this animal has lived in a place where even if the light from the street light always turns on and shines directly on their home to them it might be daytime they go they go to sleep well that's it's kind of more so what i was trying to lean into without uh, saying is it's not that as humans we're sentient if something bothers us in our day-to-day life we can acknowledge it accept it and adjust for it if you're the kind of person that you know you you don't do well with changes you could just say, hey, I'm having an off day, and you can explain to the people in your surrounding life that whatever's bothering you. Animals don't get that luxury. They, they're they're creatures of, by design. Every type of animal does a certain thing. And um, when you interrupt their habitat, for in, in the smallest stimulus can do it. I mean, it's not like it takes a lot. You know, animals get like like raccoons. You know, if they get used to eating out of the same place over and over, they'll go back every single night. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not hard to think how terrible you could mess up their daily routine by just simply living, putting big old spotlights, you know, next to the football stadium. Well, that's probably going to mess with a lot of birds and stuff when they're you know flying through the air. I don't know. I'm probably just being dramatic about this. Maybe, maybe not. But I do know that it's not just animals. And, And I get irritated just because everything we do is based on what we want as people or humans versus the environment i would love to be a part as an engineer who loves sustainability be a part of designing a city a building designing something that is integrated with nature because i think the long-term solution for how we live is to just be integrated in with nature so other ways we disrupt animals is by decimating the insect population you you always see the light up in the sky that's you know, the street lamp with just hundreds of moths or mosquitoes right around it. The light burns or kills millions and millions of mosquitoes, probably daily, you know, or, or at least insects, greatly reducing that portion of the food chain for animals like bats or other animals that feed off of them. Light completely is starting, it was starting to change the food chain because of things like that. Well, I think that it it very much is, but also I think that in regards to insects, we have a bad habit of justifying like killing insects just because we look at them as pests and we don't like them. You know, we've all heard my rants about mosquitoes and houseflies, but like everything else in this world, they they do have a natural place in the order. And as much as I may not like them, 
they are a food source for something else. That's what like, I never I never take spiders out of my house. Like unless unless it's like a really giant spider or you know in the very rare occurrence it could be something that's dangerous to us. I, if I find a spider in the basement, I give him a high five. I let him do his job. Don't I don't have any interest in, in relocating him. There's um, one less fly that you'll have to relocate. Yeah, exactly right. Now there is one. There was one instance where I did find a brown recluse. And uh, that had to be um, eliminated, removed from the food chain. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I don't like the I don't like that I had to kill it, but I didn't really know what to do with it. Plus, I didn't know how to get it out of the house. Everybody knows that I am not. I have fears of snakes and spiders. I've gotten better. I don't squeal or you scream have a snake. anymore. Yeah, I know. Okay, but that came with the wife. I did not choose that, and I've only touched it once, and that's because a small child carried it to me, handed it to me. And I'm telling Jake. Away. That's fine. He doesn't have the ability to understand. Anyways, I am not a fan of them, but I also do no longer kill spiders in the house because I know their purpose. I know I know what's going. They're part of that gnat control from the plants. Other than the one spider that tried to wrap my leg off by taking a bite out of me, most of them are harmless. And I luckily my my intellect or my understanding of spiders has gotten better and I don't just run around trying to kill them because it used to be if it disappeared it was everywhere so I had to kill it on the spot so I knew it was dead and it's not that way anymore and I'm glad I don't because that food chain process is highly damaged by our light pollution now the next stat I have this is design I pulled this on purpose for you and I because I know it hits us stronger than other animals we talk about possums and all these things and most people either from the southern states have no idea what it is or the northern states are going good get them out of here i'm gonna talk about sea turtles baby sea turtle oh you perked right up you just jumped towards the screen i like turtles (laughs) sea turtles move when they're born move towards light now yeah, i don't bored, know what it's ev- born in sand i don't know the evolutionary trait that does does that but it it one of the reasons why hawaii protects their light pollution like they do other than the observatory is for nature and as a good example hawaii does not lose baby sea turtles to light pollution they do not come out of the sand see the light and go the wrong direction because that's what happens they turn towards land and start to go instead of the ocean well, I, I think that's kind of weird. I think that I just kind of assume when you said they go towards light, I just figured that was their beacon to dig out of the sand. I think that was, and I mean, I don't know much about, I actually don't know much about leatherback turtles at all, but I think that they're awesome. When I go back to Hawaii, I've already talked to some locals. Uh, we have an engineer that works with me who grew up in Hilo. He is giving me the spots where you can go away from where everybody else goes to look for turtles, where you can find them almost every time he told me he was swimming in the water one time and up next to him come this big huge head and it was probably three four inches and it just came up and stared at him he's like if you're anywhere near this cove that's where they hide and i'm gonna visit that cove i am not getting in the water with them but i I will certainly i will certainly watch the sea turtles Hawaii does not lose a lot of turtles because of light pollution, but Florida, on the other hand, Florida loses, they assume they assess over a hundred thousand baby turtles a year from the light pollution given off by those coastal areas. Well, that's a lot of babies. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know when it comes to turtles. I'm kind of a, I love turtles. Turtles in general are my favorite type of animal. I think they're amazing in nature's little tanks. 
baby sea turtles kind of have they have a hard upbringing to begin with they're born you know and like most reptiles the moment they're born they're independent they don't follow their mother they don't stay with their mother so they're born and they have to like flop their way into, into the sand from the time that they're they come out of the sand to the time they get in the water has got to be one of the scariest moments those little guys because they're 100 percent defenseless and until they get what like halfway grown they're pretty defenseless to begin with i assume i don't know the stat on it i assume they're probably 75 to 80 percent of the entire turtles population every time there's a new hatching probably gets eaten by predators or killed or or i mean i can't imagine they make it otherwise they wouldn't be endangered because they they there's a lot of them born every year it's not like there's not right well and it doesn't help that we can lose just in one state just in florida alone a hundred thousand babies a year turning the wrong direction because of mm-hmm. our light pollution, which parlays into more things that we want to eliminate light pollution for, which is astronomy. That was one of those you lay in the back of your truck and stare up at the sky stuff. But we also have observatories. One of the clearest places I've ever been personally was Hawaii. I did not go to the observatory. I did not go up to the top of the mountain, but I did just it's normal just this normal atmosphere at night because they use those very pale yellow lights they aren't directional so they're not even perfect yet but it did greatly reduce the amount of glare the sky glow there was no sky glow in hawaii so you could lay there and look up and see beauty even from even from just your altitude of where 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 you are you didn't have to climb a mountain to see beauty you along with some friends of ours went to a dark sky park in michigan yeah we did but in all fairness we went in may it was the first i'm trying to remember what it was it was like the first camping holiday or whatever we took this year and it was great idea but a terrible time it was so ungodly cold as far as camping goes coming from a guy who likes to be cold yeah so i like to be cold I do. I like cold temperatures, but I don't like sleeping when I'm like 48 degrees. And so like we went and bought a space heater for our tent, which is about (laughs) the most ridiculous. Yeah. About the most ridiculous thing in the world. Trying to heat up a balloon because it was so cold. So I say that though, because when we went to the dark sky park, it it was getting dark at how Lord, I want to say between eight and nine o'clock. And so by nine o'clock we were already freezing and we're sitting up there and we're in these uh, camping chairs and stuff because there is a, it's, it's a, there's an observatory there and a bunch of area around it. And there are these uh, like red lights that are pointed towards the ground. So you can see the pathway, but they don't have any other light around there. Mm-hmm. And at, at nine o'clock, you talk about sky glow, the amount of light coming off of the rest of Mackinac totally out, like overshadows anything you can see at that moment. You, I venture to believe wouldn't be able to see much until probably midnight on a night like that. We didn't make it that long when we finally decided to call it. Cause we were so cold. I think it was like maybe 11 o'clock and there was a few stars out and the ones that were out were gorgeous and you could see them far better than you would otherwise believe, but we didn't say to get the full effect of it. I want to go back there in the middle of like August where it's super warm and really get a good view of it. Well, and real quick, you said something about the color of the lighting. When I said yellow at Hawaii, it's more of an amber yeah and you're you're talking about the red lights or, or were they red or were they more amberish uh i probably amber i i call it red but i mean it definitely wasn't yellow it definitely wasn't white or blue i mean it was mm-hmm. definitely a yellowish a, a reddish amber color and for those of us who who don't know those frequencies or temperatures of light each one reacts differently if you have a blue light that travels and lights up much more. That's why you see LEDs almost always have a blue light tint to them. They're very bright. You can see over a great distance and you can see detail all around you. That frequency or temperature band will travel much further. 
where a red, amber, yellow, these other warmer colors don't. The frequency does not move out from the source nearly as far. That is why they use that instead of the blues and the whites. Other stats that I found in the United States, just light pollution. And again, it's assessed. So it's we don't you never know the exact number, but the United States wastes about $2.2 billion in electricity on light hitting unintended spaces or unintended places that if it was just directed to where it needed if, if if your street lamps had shields putting it so that it would just be on your walk space or we shortened the poles to be able to have that light be directed much better you would the the country would save 2.2 billion dollars a year just by eliminating something we don't want to begin with well, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to add on to that, meaning that if, if we had better designs and light fixtures and stuff like that, we'd be able to use smaller bulbs that are more efficient and, and require so much power. Because I assume that a lot of these, these light fixtures, in order to get the light where we want it, the ones that are improperly made, we had to put a big enough bulb to shine the entire area versus something that would be more directed to our use. Yeah, we only use about 30% of that energy for what its intended purpose was. Which, by the way, quick plug, another cool reason to have your sidewalks be solar roads. Because those light LEDs would light up that space with a fraction of the energy cost. And it wouldn't light up the sky nearly as bad as a lot of these massive halogen lamps. Solar freaking roads! Solar freaking roads. And... On top of the fact, you can also never have to shovel it. But anyway, so we'll move that, beyond that. That alone should convince the entire Midwest. That's a good idea. <laughs> I know. Well, look, at we have Frankenmuth. We have Holland. These places that have heated sidewalks. Come on. We're almost there. You, could you imagine just faint LEDs leading the path, looking like an airplane runway versus these massive, like, if I walk in Durand at night, I can hear the lights. The amount of electricity going through those lights and those ballasts and everything else is just, we waste so much power. Makes my eye twitch. We do waste a lot of power. Um, I'm not going to say a whole lot about lighting of the pathway because last time I did, you took it out of the show. So Yes, yes, I did. But I put it in the extras. So if someone would like tasteless jokes, it's on the page with all the extras and bloopers. Just because it's not your flavor does not mean it's tasteless. (laughs) Anyway. That's one of the things that we want to see in urban planning. It was never brought up, not once. And I took a couple of urban planning classes because of sustainability. Never brought up. We learned about roundabouts. We learned about non-motorized transit and all these other things. But we didn't learn about light pollution. And light pollution is one of those things that takes a comfortable area. You work all year. At least we do here in Durant by putting seating in places and shade and all these wonderful things. We we try to make town feel so comfy so that at night it can be like this old broken Vegas where the lights are just all over hack and you're just not as comfortable as you are during the day. I would love to see classes and and adding this to urban planning so that as people graduate and become city managers, they treat light pollution the same way they treat anything else important part of the infrastructure i think it's kind of strange that it wasn't part of urban planning you think it would be one of the things that would be i'm not going to say on the top of their list but at least relevant it's like parking the more the merrier that's the the design in most cities is crap loads of parking with massive lighting because you know lighting equate equates to safety so they'd have these huge lamps that go 180 degrees when we really just need 
LED style lamps that have the shades on them and directional shades. I would like to make a directional shade that comes with position hinges so you can just move it and be able to direct the light only where it really needs to be. You should be able to walk down a path and only have maybe a foot on either side of the path lit and just have pretty close to pure darkness beyond it. But it is that is not what we do. We just throw balls of light periodically down the walkway. Well, no, I mean, that, see, this is where I, I'm not sure how I feel about it, because I think that the premise of making a, a town walkable and, and being able to be together downtown, you're going to want to see the people you're talking to. And I think that if you if you were to do that successfully and all the light is directed towards the ground, you might struggle to actually have those moments where you're walking and having a good conversation. I think that that kind of borderlines of taking the social out of social well at nighttime you don't tend to sit there i mean in town you might congregate and have a conversation but if you're walking down the paths at nighttime you probably are doing less conversating most people who walk at night are doing it for exercise that's what i've done in the past i can't get out during the day sometimes i get out and just make a couple laps around the block it isn't going to kill me to do a little exercise uh as being someone who through many times throughout my my uh misspent youth I would go for walks with friends at nighttime in pitch black and just walk as slow as we possibly could and have three-hour conversations. I very much disagree with what you just said. <laughs> Fair enough. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll find people out there wandering together and having conversations. Mm. The The real purpose is we have to redesign the light network. You know, it's a beautiful photo we see from NASA of what looks to be our burning planet from all the lights, but it, it shouldn't look like that. We should be able to redirect. We should be able to use dimmers. And at, and at the risk of you going through one of your funny rants motion sensors allowing as we move you use of the light when we need the light in the place Listen, that the light is needed i know that you would love people to have the same feeling when they walk down the road that i get when that ice cream aisle slowly lights up as i get towards my ice cream i don't know i mean i actually like the motion sensor idea i, I very much do i think that if they were if those were uh, motion sensors were combined with a white sensor so if they're not lighting up every time a cat or something runs across them i think that that would be really really beneficial in the long run they're dimmer if they are more of an amber if they are led and not incandescent even if the cat runs by, it can come on. It will startle them and they will run away and not do it again. But those are okay because they're not this bright, painful blue light coming in through my windows, lighting up my room. It will just be this faint directional light that takes it right down the sidewalk. Okay. And I think fair. there should and there should be two different lights. One light is for the purpose of seeing where you're going. But they can also have small, like what I would call runway lights that tell you the path is this way. Hmm. Both of those together as LED would use an insane amount less than one street light. One arrow for chocolate, two arrows for vanilla. I dig it. The one thing I will say about, about light pollution and stuff, and, and, and there is certain aspects of it where I, I kind of, like I know it's light pollution, I know it's a waste of power, but I also think it's incredibly beautiful. And I, I don't remember if this was in Duran too, but I know that there are places in Midland, like outside of uh, some restaurant that Heather and I like to go to where at, at nighttime, especially in like the summer and the fall, I don't think they do it in the winter, they might. But these little courtyards that are just it's this little pathway, little garden, couple benches and stuff. And then they're all, the, the top is all strung up with like just clear white, like what I would just call Christmas lights, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they're turned on and the whole thing is lit up and it's super, super beautiful. Now, it is a ton of wasted energy. It's a ton of wasted light. 
ton of light pollution. Like it, it literally is everything we're talking about, but it's just really pretty to see it once. It's not an all night long. It's probably only on until maybe one or two in the morning until the bar crowd's done. But I mean, it's it's really, really pretty. And it's one of the things where like I understand that it's it's what we'd want to try to avoid. But when you look at it in that moment, when you see it, you're happy that you've seen it. Well, and part of realistic sustainability is if we fix 90% of the rest of it, we can have that spot with that with that experience. That is put there for beauty. That light is done in that way so that you have that moment of awe. So it, it isn't necessarily unintended where it's our broken designs within our cities that create this waste and light going to these unintended places. If the rest of the city didn't have waste and was redesigned in this manner, it's okay if that spot is like that. We've greatly reduced the cost. We've made it very, very much more comfortable for people. And this is a place where someone can experience something a little different. It's, it's, that is a spot for beauty. You don't take it away just because of, you know, we're on this standpoint, but I do want them to fix the rest of the city to kind of make up for that spot. That's fair. I just wanted to come out and say that. So later on, in a different episode, we're like, "This is so pretty," you know, like say "bad little brother" again and make me sad. <laughs> but um, I just it, it, there are there are moments and things that where things are just flat out gorgeous, and uh, I think the same way about about uh, Christmas trees. You know, we're gonna have a, a mm-hmm. unsustainable Christmas special here in a couple of weeks, but uh, the fact of the matter is, they are pretty. I love Christmas lights; like they are pretty. They are. They're very attractive. Very not sustainable. Very against what we're trying to do here. But they, to some degree, do do have their place in the world. So, but we're gonna—I'm not gonna get too deep in that. We'll we'll handle that in a couple of weeks. Well, before I close this up here, I really want to see more directional lighting, more education on lighting, more LED over incandescent or fluorescent. I want to see no blue lighting, no bright white lighting. Moving this to more of that ambers and those yellows and those light reds, creating the right atmospheres in cities and trust me i am a voice within my city it will be said and it will be said over and over and over again till we start making those changes we have decorative lighting that is quote unquote part of our city theme that decorative lighting is is isn't directional so my fight with the city will be very challenging because they purposely chose these lights because they're pretty and they're they're homey but they just are balls of light non-directional balls of light so i will here continue to to push that change but i also want to see this end up in schools and be taught more because i think that it has to be taught at a low level for it to trickle into society correctly i mean look at roundabouts roundabouts have been around for 20 years and or longer they're common all over the world but people here just still stomp their feet for the change we're gonna have to ease it into the cities just like everything else so and and it's not just for us it's for our wildlife and and our surroundings. So that's all we had for you this week. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or on social media. Other ways to support realistic sustainability is by becoming a monthly supporter or sustainer on our Anchor hosting site, which you can find on greetingyourlife.org or on our Anchor site. If you don't want to do that, that's totally cool. Leave us a five-star review. We would love to hear what you have to say about the show, and it really does help us in the rankings for like Apple and Spotify and all the bigger podcast platforms. So thank you again. And remember, we only have to get a little bit better each day. Little bit, little bit, big bit. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week.
What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.